don't be doing any name calling because everybody's got a phone in their hand and it's going to get back to you whether you meant it or not. And always be nice because you have a freaking clue what kind of life even people that work close to you are living at home. You have no idea what shit show they may be going through on a daily basis. So uh, be nice. And the last thing I would think was uh, as a bottom line, what we all have is our word. And if you give your word, keep your word. Welcome back to Audio Life, where we tell your story in your voice. I'm excited to continue part two of my interview with Michael Diamond. On the last episode, we chatted about his unforgettable childhood growing up in Chatham, Ontario, where he had freedom on the streets, adventures across frozen lakes, and getting into all kinds of trouble. We also discussed how a passion for writing came about through the desire to tell his story, which he has many of. So if you missed that, please go back and listen to Michael Diamond's Storytellers Episode 1. And without further ado, let's begin Part 2. You know, you, you made a couple of very interesting points about societal and cultural shifts, um, particularly one that stuck out for me. You know, we're, we're more connected than we ever are with technology these days. But at the same time, I yes. feel that society communities are more fractured than ever. And I agree. we're perhaps more polarized and divided than we've ever been. And you're right, whether it's right or wrong or whether you believe it or not, but institutions and, and religions and communities, they used to bring people together. And I do find that there's a lot of, you know, pockets of individuals and there's nothing wrong with individualism, but sometimes we're losing that connection together that we have with, 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 with communities. And that, that's something that I've witnessed even you know, I'm a little bit younger than you are, but something that I've noticed, you know, in the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years as well. So um, thank you for sharing that, Michael. And, and um, you know, I was going to wander into that part of it, but I thought that was too big, too big a subject matter to technology <laughs> right now, because, you know, it's, it's crazy. Everybody's living on their phone and, and they're not socializing the same way you may have 20 years ago. And, and that's as good as it is bad. We can't stop moving ahead techno technologically. We can't because without change, there's death. So you got to move on. You got to move on. But it's a struggle for a lot of people, a lot of people. And I, one that struggles with it significantly. So I thought it was too big a topic to mention. So I avoided the fact that uh, I always have my phone in my hand, which is not a phone anymore. It's so many other things, but whatever. You, you know, we actually had a question here and I, I was... Um I was cautious about asking it, but it was how, how do you feel technology has changed your life or changed society's life? And, and we, we can have a brief, um, just a brief comment on it, Michael. You don't, we don't need to go too deep, but it is something that I realize is quite a, it's both an amazing positive transformation for all of life, but at the same time, it, it is a double-edged sword. And I just curious to your thoughts yeah, about that, Michael. You know what? Everything is. Everything is. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I always start out by thinking it wasn't that long ago, although to me and, and to you a long time ago was 50, 60 years, but uh, geologically speaking, it's nothing. Um, but I remember not knowing what the hell was going on across the street or across the river, not that too far from me in the lives of other people. No clue. No clue. Now, with a phone in my hand, I can sneak into somebody's backyard and 
Afghanistan, in Africa, in Australia, and find out what's going on. And, and I can Google anything and get some good responses. Uh, and I can go on Instagram and TikTok and find out what other people are doing and Facebook and find out what other people are doing, good or bad. And I think that's wonderful because it's information is what we need. But I think we're on overload. Um, I don't think lots of people, myself included, are capable of synthesizing all that's going on out there, although AI will help to do that. But let's not get into that. I think overload is is, is a good word. More people know more about the world than most people knew just a few years ago. And it's, and it's right here. And I don't think they know what to do with it. And in uh, from an entertainment perspective. You know, if you if you go anywhere, everybody and their brothers on their phone, walking into walls, tripping down steps, sitting in groups of five or six and not talking because they're on their phone doing something. Um, you're right. Double-edged sword. That's as good as it is bad, because the more we know, the better. But what we do with that knowledge is really a challenge. And I guess the influences in your life from outside professionally and, and socially uh, affect decisions you may make around what information you have to deal with. It's. It's overwhelming. It's just stunning and overwhelming. That's that's the only comment. I, I often say to myself, leave your phone, plug it in and walk away and leave it there for a few hours. Don't take it with you. I'm not taking it to lunch. I'm not taking it to dinner. We're going for a drive. I'm not taking it. And then all of a sudden you feel like there's something missing because you haven't got your phone stuck in your back pocket. You just get pulled into bizarre- it because that's today. And if you're not in today, you've got some issues. Exactly. And it's it's kind of a necessity, but it's a bizarre feeling when you forget your phone and you feel like something's missing in your in your body. And, it you know, you're like, what? Am I that addicted to my device? I need this. It feels as, as part of me. I, I mean, yeah. and, and I look at my screen time, you know, I have a couple of hours per day screen time and I was horrified at that. And then I talk with some of my friends and it's like, you know, uh, nine, 10, 11 hours plus, uh, that they're occupied on these, on these phones. So I absolutely agree yeah. with you. Information is good. Overwhelming overstimulation of information slash misinformation, dissecting what is fact and fiction. Um, yeah. that's, that's the double nature of it. And I totally agree with you. I'm both excited about where technology takes us, but also very, cautious and wary about um, our relationship with it. You know, we talk about, you know, accuracy of information and, and, you know, it's great with accessibility, but perhaps you can share some life lessons or wisdom that you've accumulated over the years. Wow. We're going deep. <laughs> We're, yeah. I, um, I, I, there's, there's, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be a ton life lessons. Wow. Um, one thing I learned working because, you know, you can go to a workplace and find people that are working there full time, like you may be working there full time, different position. And maybe they're not seen, recognized, uh, accepted, listened to. And, and I guess one of one of life lessons in the in the work field is regardless of who the person is, if they're working um, in a particular position in a particular company with you or maybe they're part of your whole operation, by the very fact that they're there, that the very fact that they're there, they need to be recognized and listened to and asked for input because they're in the same boat, paddling in the same direction, and they're going to live or die based on what collectively happens. So I'm thinking that everybody, everybody that, that works somewhere, 
within your sphere of influence or reference um, needs to be listened to, recognized and listened to. I don't care who they are, how lowly they may be in, 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 in your work, work field. So don't, uh, don't dismiss anybody. Always communicate with people. Um, I found that over the years, always communicate. It doesn't really matter if you get to know their name, use their name. Um, and as my grandmother would say, mind your manners, uh, please, thank you, are very, very important. Don't be doing any name calling because everybody's got a phone in their hand and it's going to get back to you whether you meant it or not. And always be nice because you have the freaking clue what kind of life even people that work close to you are living at home. You have no idea what shit show they may be going through on a daily basis. So uh, be nice. And the last thing I would think was uh, as a bottom line, what we all have is our word. And if you give your word, keep your word. Life lesson. They're all that, that's all a result of my experiences to realize that you need to talk to people. You need to have nice manners. Um, you, you don't call names, you call anybody names and you're nice because you don't know what life they're leaving. And if you're going to give you somebody your word, damn, we'll stick to it. Because if you don't stick to it for a couple of times, you're gone. They don't trust you anymore. I don't care who it is. I, I love that uh, succinct truth bombs that you were dropping there, Michael, as I call them, because uh, some of them were incredibly uh, powerful. And, you know, it comes down to respect and courtesy, a, a lot of that, you yes. know, treating people with respect and courtesy. I can't remember who said it, but, you know, our words make us different from the animals. But, and again, not to go back to the society at the moment, but, you know, there's a lot of anonymous keyboard warriors out there where you can say whatever you want wow. to say. And there's cowards, yes. <laughs> there's no accountability for it. So none, I believe none. it. maybe that's a bit old fashioned, but I'm the same. If I say something, I mean, I, I, I at my very best need to honor that because without that, I mean, where is the, where's the integrity? That's all you've got is your word. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Wow. So those are some powerful um, lessons you, you, you shared with us, Michael. And, I, and I'm just curious, you know, you talked a little bit about the martial arts and I'm hoping I'm not putting that there, but what hobbies of interests have kept you engaged or perhaps resonated with you over the years outside of writing, of course, which I know we, you have a strong passion for. I, I, I didn't really play a lot of sports. Um, I was uh the easier ones were track and field, and I did that in high school and in college. Um, played a bit of hockey with some guys um, later in life in those early morning leagues. If we're looking for significant influences, and I can't remember if that was part of your question, but um, I, I think I think the martial art of karate has been a significant thing uh, for me in my life because it, it helped me recognize me. Because it, it offers something that a, a lot of parents want for their kids but can't deal with, and that's discipline. And they don't really know what it means, I don't think, in many cases. Uh, discipline is knowing what you do and what you can't do. Uh, and, uh, and then not going beyond those limits without testing or learning. I think if I was good on my feet and uh, being fairly successful at what I was doing, it started with my my getting involved in the martial arts back in 1972, I guess, um, because it, it allowed me to discover what I can and can't do. 
and in the area when I what I can do to improve on that, in the area that I can't do, figure out ways to get out of that can't and into something a little more positive. Um, it was very growth, very growth oriented, without without question, because we your your teachers asked you to do some stuff that you did not think you were capable of doing. In most cases, it was physical, but that flowed over into the uh, the mental and social side of things. You started to feel a little more confident about yourself. And then you could challenge yourself a little more. That was would have been the significant influence in my life. Um, I don't know that that affected uh, or encouraged my writing in any way because I was making notes years before that. But I think it helped me to discover me and then be accepting of me and, and, and more confident, as I say, on my feet. And that's sort of upfront, upfront skills. Uh, standing and talking, sitting and talking. I have to say the martial arts had the greatest positive influence on me. There's one other thing uh, that, uh, that's that been part of my life, and I keep forgetting about it because it's just a part of my life now. Um, there was a piano uh, in, the, in the dining room of my house where I was raised in Dover Street that belonged to my grandmother, and she taught my mother how to play, how to play the piano from this book that was called the BLAC book. And... Uh, there was, I don't think there was an attempt to teach me because I think they wanted to keep me away from the piano. Because as soon as I discovered I could reach up and hit these keys and then bang on them on the piano, then after I was a, a moving toddler, then I was banging on those keys. And I've been banging on the keys of piano ever since. My sister took lessons when she was 10 years old. And I keep telling myself, and it's my arrogance, I think that's suggesting I, I think this way, that I had a chance to take lessons too. Because uh, my grandmother wanted to do something for a family of younger people, that being me and my sister, because the two children she had, they lost one to a childhood disease and the other, my dad, to the war. And she wanted to do something for us. So she said, I want to, you want to take piano lessons to my sister? And I think she asked me if I wanted to take piano lessons too, and she would pay. And I said, no, because the last thing I wanted to do was dance around the street, carrying a little leather satchel down to the piano. Uh, teacher's office, Miss Fuster, Miss Fuster was her name. And then all the boys that I ran the street with, the uh, the He-Man Woman Haters Club from Spanky and our gang, they would be making fun of me. So I said, no, I'm not taking lessons. So I didn't take lessons. Now, I may not have had the opportunity, but I keep telling myself I was asked and I said no. But but since I started banging on the piano and discovering the white keys, and I discovered the black keys, and they, they're raised up, and there's three and two, and they're easier to get to, and easier to see, and easier to play. So I've been, I taught myself to play, and I've been playing ever since, and I've always had a piano in the house. So that's been my therapy. That's been my go-to therapy for my whole life when frustrating moments. And I just sit down and run up and down the keyboard. I, I know there's only 12 keys, uh, but that mean anything, but they come in at different octaves. But if, if there's a song in my head, I can find it on the keyboard and, uh, and, and play it. So that's been my therapy for my whole life. If I was looking to say I had a therapy. So I add that to the discussion. I think that's beautiful. You know, it almost becomes a, a meditative escape when you're lost in music as somebody who's very passionate about music exactly. as well. And, and exactly. you just get on the keys and everything melts away. So that, that's yeah. really, that's really cool. Michael, thanks for sharing that. How do you spend your days now? You mentioned a little bit about traveling and so on, but what, what does a typical day look like in, in your world? Well, um, I, I have a sort of a limited exercise routine that I go through. 
um, that that came out of the martial arts. It's nothing intense because my body complains the next day if I try to do something too intense. Um, so I do a little bit of that exercise every day. I don't walk as often as I should, but I, but I do. There are some TV shows I like to watch. I'd like to read stuff, but I don't, I don't read fiction. I want to be educated or entertained when I read. So I read stuff that provides me with that opportunity. It's not a time filler for me. I, I love to watch movies and I watch lots of movies. As I tell my friends and my wife, I'm exceptionally good at doing nothing. So it, I add the word meditate to that. So I, I don't have an issue with, with filling a couple of hours today on that basis. I'm not journaling as much as I used to, but when I'm enthused, I'll sit down and, and uh, get on the journal stuff. Um, I still train in the martial art um, on Thursday mornings with friends in London that I've been friends with since 1974. There's not much more than not much more than that that uh, that I can think of. We, we we do travel a fair amount, but that's that's a typical day. And now for a word from our sponsors. Ready to share your stories and life philosophy, or capture those of a parent or grandparent, or maybe a corporate package is right for you to build connection across your workforce and add value to your clients. Visit audiolife.io today to learn more. Our listeners will get ten percent off using discount code. Gift 10 and order number Audio Life Podcast. Audio Life, where memories find their voice. Excellent. Um, you mentioned there you're, a, you're quite a big movie buff. Um, give me your top one or two movies, if it's possible. I like the uh, um, Denzel Washington did a series of movies called uh, um, Equalizer, and uh, the Equalizer mm. 3 just came out. And, and I've watched it and I like that because it, it, I got, I don't know, equalizes the word. It deals with, um, you know, the dealing with people that, uh, that seem to be taking advantage of other people unfairly. And this guy comes along and, and, and helps them through their struggles. Um, and I guess maybe that, that, that has a connection to everybody's life today. So I, I like that. I, I like that series. I like the born series. Um, same with I read a book. I want I want to be entertained and uh, and I want to learn something. Um, if the movie doesn't provide that, then I'm finding it a, a little um, finding it a little at a loss. Like the the Barbie movie um, came out re- recently, and I absolutely loved it because it had a message that I very very much liked. I kind of like musicals, and and I do like because. The technical abilities today to create stuff that we would never see and that probably doesn't exist. And we're talking about Star Wars and the related. I like those because of what they can do with technology that could make it seem real if we recognize what real might be, um, you know, in the in, in, out in space or somewhere else. So I like those kinds of movies. I like to be surprised. I like to be shocked. Although I don't like horror, I find nothing appealing about horror movies at all. I remember going to see The Exorcist many, many years ago, and it scared the hell out of me. And I would never, ever see anything like that. I, that's 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 not entertaining. I, I, it's based on a scare factor and stuff that really doesn't exist. But uh, it's interesting. I, I and if I like a movie, I'll watch it thirty times. If I like, oh, a movie, you're one I'll of those guys. You. Uh huh. I'm a bit like that myself. If I find a movie that I love, I I could watch it. Like you know, it's it's so, it, it becomes like a stalwart of my viewing. You know, uh, much to the dismay of some of my friends who want to always watch something new and different. Um, 
So I love that. Um, I love that. And quite a, quite a wide uh, range of diversity there. You know, you've got your action, you've got your drama, you had like comedy there, modern films and Barbie and so on, uh, movies with a message. Um, and like yourself, I'm not too interested in horror. Um, so uh, as we getting closer towards the end um, of our podcast, I'm just curious, reflecting back or looking back, is there, is there anything you would do differently in your life or approach things a little bit differently than you did? Well, I'd be the first one to tell anybody that uh, don't have any regrets. Uh, when it's time for you to go lay on your deathbed, don't go there with any regrets. So I, I can look back and, and say things that relate to having regrets. I wish I would have had more time with my daughter when she was young. That's something that I would look back on and like to do over again. I wished I'd had that opportunity to take piano lessons, but I, I don't think I did. And I think if I'd had the opportunity, I probably wouldn't have taken it, but I should have. And I would have, um, if I'd had the opportunity, when I finished, uh, when I finished the uh, two-year diploma program at, at Guelph, I started to go back to university and take courses because I, uh, I wanted to degree myself in either communications and sociology. But I didn't continue. And the reason I didn't continue isn't bad because I learned a lot. My brother and I, my brother decided he wanted to do something with me. Uh, so we opened a pizza business and ran this uh, takeout and delivery pizza business for five years. And once I got into that with him, um, I still work full time uh, in my full time job. Um, I quit going to school. I wish I had continued university number one and uh, had the degree in sociology, which I was looking for. I wish I'd have spent more time with my daughter when she was little. And I wish I'd have taken those piano lessons. Do you recall a particularly challenging phase in your life and how you navigated it? Wow, particularly challenging. <sighs> Personally or professionally? Can be either or. I was hoping you'd say one or the other and that would make it easier. <laughs> um. well, well, you know what? If you don't mind me making the choice, then let's go, let's go personally. Um. I think it was I think it was getting through the separation and divorce with my first wife uh, and maintaining a hold on uh, my relationship with my daughter. I, I think that was probably the most personally challenging. Anything after that that might have been related related to me personally became just a little easier, I think, because I managed to I think I managed to maintain a relationship, a relationship with my ex-wife that kept alive my relationship with my daughter. So I, I, I think that was the most challenging. There are probably a number of other things personally, but uh, that would probably be the most challenging and, and perhaps had the most effect on the remainder of my life through to today. And what are you most proud of in your life? Sticking to something and seeing it through, I think. And I think the thing that I have stuck to and, and worked hard at has affected every aspect of my life. And that was just starting and sticking with the martial arts. That was a real physical and mental challenge for me, but uh, I stayed with it. And I think I stayed with it mainly because some other people in the system expected that I'd be there. 
And rather than me sort of being the disciplined individual that could go off in a corner and be happy as hell doing stuff, I, I, I kind of felt when I look back on it now, I kind of felt that my commitment to help other people work through their journey made my journey a lot easier. I stuck to my training in the martial arts, which started in 72, and that has not changed in, in terms of my attitude and my commitment, my time in and the degree to which I work for because because for 30 years, it was three times a week. We trained and we trained hard. Um, I can't do that anymore. But you can do the same thing a different way and get equally as good results uh, from it for you personally. So I think that would be the biggest uh, in terms of my commitment over the long term that I stuck with would be the martial arts. And that has affected absolutely everything else that I've done. Because that, I, I, I guess, it, it is. A, they say it's a character builder, and it in fact is. Um, as somebody who has not nearly practiced for for as long as you, Michael, I, I think it's highly commendable and it's very impressive to to keep that level of consistency and discipline. But to your point, there's something incredibly humbling about you know facing uh, a belt grade higher than you and and realizing that there's a long way to go and there's a lot of growth that can happen and and I, I think that combined with the with the work ethic and the discipline um, absolutely has a positive effect in other aspects of, of, of your life, which is, um, which is incredible. Then just kind of, you know, touching towards the end, how would you like to be remembered? <laughs> uh, I think I'd like to remember being remembered as a, a fun loving guy and fun in a positive way. I think I like to remember it as someone who, if, if he said he was going to do something that he in fact did it. And if he couldn't, it's because a rock fell on you and you're dead. Um, I think I'd like to remember to someone who makes a commitment, keeps it. I, I, I don't know. I think that probably covers it because it goes back to me for, uh, go back for me when I said that one of the la one of the most important things that we all have going for us is the bottom line is our word. So if you give you a word, you need to keep it. I think that uh, if I want to re be remembered as someone who enjoyed life, someone who was very supportive and friendly of people that were important to me, both professionally and personally, someone who is, is in process all your life, there are really no goals. There are just sort of short steps on the way. I'd like to be remembered as someone who, if I once said you need to become and not have, that I've, I've worked hard at becoming. Um, me, whatever that is, and not just simply having stuff. Um, I'm not a bad guy. I like to remember it as, be, as, be, as being not a bad guy. That's, he was okay. That's he was lovely. Fun. He was fun. He was a fun guy, you know? Um, well, I can certainly vouch for that, Michael, in, in this in this short podcast. This has been one of my favorite um, episodes thus far. Um, I definitely see some overlap with, uh, you know, how you grew up, um, the people that were involved in your life and also a little bit about the freedom. And I think, you know, with a little bit of resiliency and a little bit of a life that maybe is not like the structured norm results in some of the most compelling and interesting characters that I've met. So I feel delighted to have the, the honor to share with you in some of your stories today. As we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't touched on? Well, firstly, this this process was totally unexpected, but it's been very, very enlightening. I enjoyed this very, very much. 
Um, you made it easy for me to talk and answer questions. So thank you. That was very comfortable. We, we touched on a lot. And if I go back, as far as I can go back in my head, I can't think of anything that I would want to add that probably would come out or could come out if you spent hours doing this. But um, I'm happy to have had this opportunity, um, although there are times when you say, why me? And uh, why are things the way they are? Well, you know, that life's impersonal. When you get up in the morning, there it is presenting you, uh, presenting itself to you in the face and you just deal with it. Uh, it's not out to get you. It's not personal. It's just this life. And uh, you just deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis as it comes towards you. And, and you need to deal with it. You need to jump inside and deal with it. Because quite often, problems that you see as surmountable once you jump inside and look around you say shit this wasn't that tough i could i can handle this just by focusing so i just want to again thank you michael for me personally you've dropped a lot of wisdom that i cert certainly resonates with me and i'm sure many of our listeners thank you for taking the time to record your first um audio memoir with us at audio life thank you're you. an incredibly interesting guy and I, it, it it has been wonderful for me personally, and for some of our listeners, you know, you've written some books, and I'd love to get a deeper dive into some of those stories. Is there one that we should check out first that you would recommend, or maybe one or two that you think, okay, those are the ones that might be the easiest to get into, or or, or what would you say is a good starting place? Each has its own message, I would think. Um, the first one I wrote is just about my sister and I growing up over a period of 1948 to 1958 in small town Chatham and all the stuff that I did. I said this in the book. I didn't want to give a historical perspective on Chatham. The book had to have a context and that context was Chatham. So I did a bit of research on what Chatham was all about over the course of the 10 years that uh, the book covers. So th if, if you're looking for some insight into a kid's life and, and uh, some of the things that they did, it's a memoir, it's, it's, it's an okay thing. Uh, the second book is, as I mentioned, just a collection of 30 years worth of notes that I just sort of took that note and expanded on it and, and talked about it. And I referenced a couple of things in our conversation that are in that book. So it's sort of a self-help thing. And it's, and, and it's not a book to just sit down and read. It may take you a year to get through it because you, if you read some of the stuff, you spend time thinking about it, I would hope. The third book is, is I hung out in this park as a kid in the summer my whole life. And uh, I needed to write a story about just being in that park for the summer. So it, the, the, the story starts at the end of June in 1963. And I just kept on writing until I told everything that I wanted to tell about what I did. Um, as, as a kid, and that ended up 625 pages later being done when, when we went back to school two months later. So um, it's just a story of three guys hanging out, talking trash, Googling the girls, uh, getting into fights, uh, hitchhiking places, traveling to the, to the lake, hassling some girls, going to parties, going to the show. That's all in there, and there's probably stuff in there that you may have actually done as a kid. It's a coming-of-age story, and it may just memory lane for some people. Uh, there's a couple of incidents in there involving getting to know uh, an older girl sexually. Uh, they didn't happen. That's all in my head. The rest of the stuff actually happened. Um, and <laughs> in the, the fourth book, 
when I when I was when I was putting together the notes for my first book, I always asked my mother questions about my dad, who I never knew, and uh, she would answer the questions, and I would make notes. And then one day, when I was finishing up my first book, I said, "We were talking about something," and my mother said, "You might as well have these." So she went to the bedroom and came back with the stack of of letters wrapped in faded blue and pink ribbon, and there was about two hundred twenty thirty of these letters that my dad had written to her from before he went into the war on the war's front and just in, and up till the day he was killed, which was a week before the war ended. So I said, I've got to do something. So the fourth book I wrote was just a story about mom and dad, as much as I could recall and build around. Um, and in there, there are 54 letters that are verbatim as he wrote them from, from uh, his experience overseas. So it depends on what you're looking for. At least twice a week, I get a call from, um, indie publishing companies or uh, small on-demand publishing companies that want to take one of my books and, and do the world with it, but it's only going to cost me $2,000 in order to do this. And, and each time they call, they talk about a different book. I think the one that be maybe most informative would be the last book I wrote, and it's called Ducky, Life Letters, because that's how my mom and dad lived their life after just after they got married. They lived it vicariously by letters written back and forth. That might be the most enjoyable. That might provide the most insight into, uh, you know, the life of someone who wasn't at home and wanted to be there, uh, but was facing mm-hmm. other challenges in, in, in life that the rest of the world was facing as well uh, during World War II. So that might be one that, that that you may want to look at more than the others. That's awesome. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> oh, awesome, Michael. Thanks for that. I I look forward to investigating some of those and and certainly your 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 latest book and your efforts if it's if, if it's been anything near as thrilling as our conversation today um <laughs> i'll be excited and i'm sure we'll get talking again soon so thank you mike very welcome this has been audio life the podcast where we tell your story in your voice i've been your host kafor masood and michael diamond thank you for sharing your story you're very welcome thank you If you like what you heard today, consider recording your own Audio Life private podcast or giving one to a loved one for a unique and memorable gift. Today, Audio Life listeners will receive 10% off using discount code GIFT10 and order number Audio Life Podcast. Also, remember to rate our show and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.